Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, Ich bin ein Panda Bear, ich bin ein Panda Bear, und manchmal bin ich schneller als die Feuerwehr. I'm Nick Houghton of 40%German.com, and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Maddox. And this week we're joined by Dilly Algemar. Yeah, so what's been going on, Simon? What's been happening in your life? <laughs> Very existential question going on there. Yeah, yeah, I thought ask the toughies yeah. starting out. We've got a tradition here. Uh, let's instill some ennui into the listeners. <laughs> no, don't do that. That's the opposite of what we're meant to be doing. Sorry, good times only, good times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. We're all going to heaven. It's all going to be fine. Don't worry, everyone. <laughs> Um, yeah, things are good. Things are good. My sister-in-law and her family have been with us overnight. Uh, they're on their way to uh, Garmisch Paddenkirchen. They're going to have a nice Bavarian holiday, having set off from Munsterland uh, yesterday. And yeah, it's the second time I've seen the family since Corona started. And yeah, it's it's nice to to be with family because obviously all mine are abroad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's also a nice little reminder that I'm. I don't really have the patience <laughs> for loud screaming early in the morning. So yeah, I drank quite a few beers yesterday to numb. <laughs> you get used to it, you know. Just part of the job is random screaming every so often. It has to be dealt with. My daughter's got to a stage now where she just screams for everything. Because, you know, that's a really effective way of getting attention. And we're just like looking at her going like, all we did was move you from sitting there to over there. And now you're just losing your mind. It's like, come on, come on, kid. Sort it out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe I need to read some books or more books. I don't know. Did, did you find having a, a full house was screwing up your equilibrium? Simon? I mean, yeah, because I, I'm a creature of habit and I like quiet. <laughs> I, it's Again, I, I've spoken before how I was raised very much in the Victorian model of children where I wasn't supposed to speak unless I was directly spoken to. And the creation of noise was definitely viewed with disdain. It was a downside. <laughs> For my mother, especially very loving mother. I don't want her to sound like she's like some heartless, cruel, wicked witch of the east. But we were definitely not encouraged <laughs> to express ourselves in public, and that is definitely something that I've that I feel has changed uh, in modern childhood. Of course, long-term listeners will know that I don't have kids, and I think I've said before that my plan is to not have kids, and it is a very selfish reason. I, I tell <laughs> other people that I'm doing it because I don't want to have children in the current environment in in terms of the climate catastrophes on our doorsteps etc but there's a part of me that also wants like a second car in the garage and to go on holidays whenever i want (laughs) it's true it's true that sounds good that sounds really good like i have nieces and nephews the family name is going to live on through my brother and my cousins nobody needs my offspring i'm also the only man in my generation that's lost hair um, so I figure, let's just kill that ball gene with me. <laughs> Dilly, you said that you uh, you do babysitting, right? So you're kind of the opposite. You're welcoming the, the madness into your environment. I'm walking right into it, I think. Yeah. I help out with two children. Uh, my friend mm. has two boys, and I've been in and out of their home for around three years. And I also have uh, nieces and nephews in Sri Lanka. My brother and my sister-in-law don't have children yet. And my nieces and nephews in Sri Lanka, they're my cousin's children. So, for instance, the eight-year-old niece messages me today on WhatsApp to say, please, can I call you hashtag boredom? (laughs) And I'm like, you're eight. Eight. Build castles out of cardboard. Get yourself some glue. You can't be bored. You're eight. But um, I help out with two boys, as I said, here in Germany. And it feels amazing to be accepted by two children who are three and five. Mm-hmm. And they come out with like sweets. You know, they look around like they're committing a crime. And they're like, you know, have one. It's for children. It's not for adults. But we're giving you one. And it's the sweetest thing on earth. <laughs> yeah. It's accepting. They, they cook things with me. And they eat Sri Lankan style, you know, with their fingers. And... um yeah, it's it's very good company. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure my daughter's at the point where she's good company because good company doesn't usually like <laughs> when you go. Do you want to sit on daddy's knee? And and the good company doesn't usually go no, and then like storm <laughs> off in the opposite direction. You're not good company at all. You're not cool people. 
<laughs> no, I, looking at me, I probably would run away the opposite direction. I hadn't thought about kids as good company. That's an interesting one. But I'm guessing, um, guessing Simon, you feel slightly different on that point. I, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever met a, a, a child who I'd willingly <laughs> sit alone with for like more than 20 minutes. Is no, none of them. Your crap is shit. Well, I think this is it. Like because like I didn't grow up interacting with any kids at all. It oh. wasn't until after university that my friends started having children. And then, of course, basically since uni, I've lived abroad. So mm. I've always been a very fleeting presence in these children's lives. And there's only really my friend Tom, when he got married, uh, I, I was there and I, I cooked pasta for his boy. And that's that story gets reproduced. Our oh, Simon was the one that made you pesto <laughs> pasta. Simon lives in Germany and I'm sort of this sort of mystical sort of quasi uncle that lives abroad <laughs> that one day we will visit. We are now talking about trying to meet up in France next year. So then I'll be the guy that made pasta and, and drove to France. But yeah, I think the only way that I can really imagine really clicking with children is through like computer games uh, and sort of popular culture that I can envisage. But uh, my wife is incredible with kids, uh, a real master of the art. And I just see all these ideas brewing in her and she creates these really hands-on creative tasks for the children to build and be creative with. And I'm there just being like, that's amazing, but I never would have thought of that. I would have just give them the Xbox controller and be like, okay, this is No Man's Sky. Explore the universe. Good luck. Don't die. <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> Again, it's that Victorian thing. A little bit of nihilism. Don't think it hurts. Yeah, I, mean, I, get, I get that. My, my wife is certainly better at doing that stuff. The sort of creative thinking of things to do and stuff like that i always find that really hard to sort of imagine and i'm kind of left in a situation where we're just sort of playing with the stuff that's in front of us but i think it's quite tricky do you do that do you like think of fun creative things to do are we just total dullards or (laughs) so man it's us it's us simon we're broken i think we knew this going into this conversation It's true. So it's true. sometimes when what I'm in Sri Lanka, I things do get like tricky. Like you know, it's the crowd. You know, reunions, family meetups, they get mm. very crowded. I just take the kids. We go outside. There's the garden bench, and I'm like, okay, I'm the judge. We are playing American Idol, and you know, they come out with the brooms, and they have like bed sheets over their hair, and they dance, they sing, and you know, someone has a mobile phone, and we all for posterity, we also record it. It's it's fun. <laughs> or we play airplane, or you know, the sofa. When I'm with my friends, two kids, the sofa is the plane. And then we get on and we think, okay, so today we are going to a country in Africa. And then we get off the plane and then we have a, you know, we go around the living room. So we have a meal somewhere. Then we go to, then we go on a safari and we look at giraffes and elephants. We get back on the plane and then we go to France. And it's, it's, it's what you do. Can you can you slow down? I'm, I need to take notes. <laughs> just keep talking, right? I'm just taking notes on my phone, just in case you look at us and you think I'm looking looking down. I am. I'm typing this out. Continue. <laughs> yes, that was amazing. I'm using it's at least fun. all of those. It's fun. Yeah, I'm using and all I, of those. And I love ideas. listening to kids. Like according to Rufus, there is a blue mayor in our town. His mother doesn't know who the blue mayor is. No one knows where he's seen a blue mayor. But he's convinced that the Burgermeister air is blau. We don't know why he's blue, <laughs> you know? Has he seen into the soul Probably. of the Burgermeister? He's like, that man is depressed. <laughs> but we're, we're at the stage with, with, with our daughter that basically anything she does is amazing. So, like, she's doing all the basic stuff. And so she's trying to stand up on her own and trying to Aww. walk on her own. And all that stuff. So, like, so all of that's just impressive. If she started talking about blue burgermeisters, <laughs> it would be like, oh, okay, we've got one of them. We've got one of them Mensa kids. I see. <laughs> but yeah, so we're getting there. We're getting there. But I think when she starts to communicate, that's more of yeah. when the fun stuff happens. I think half the frustration now is she's pointing at stuff, doesn't know the name of it, doesn't quite know, I think, whether to speak in English or German. And is sort of. To your daughter, do you speak in English and your wife speaks to her in German? Is that how it works? Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. It's difficult. It's difficult because she just doesn't get as much English. <laughs> I think that's basically what it is. Like, she's never, on day to day basis, she's never going to get. Now, she's, especially now she's going to Tiger's mother. She's never going to get as much English. So she understands a lot because when you talk to her with the certain sentences that she hasn't heard and still trying to work out. So we've got like up and down. Do you want to go up? Do you want to go down? Do you want to go on the floor? Like stuff like that. 
But then there's other times where she's definitely answering yes when she's not entirely sure what the question is. There'll be certain sentences. And you think about a lot of words as well in English are a lot, a lot harder to grasp than German words. Like I was thinking today, I was thinking, and it, I guess it's personal as well because you've got Kaba, right? So every, every day she has like hot chocolate for breakfast. And I was thinking about it today and I was like, obviously Kaba's cocoa, but I wouldn't call it cocoa, I'd call it hot chocolate. So I was sitting there going like, no wonder like, hot chocolate's harder to say. And I was like, oh God, now I've got to start calling it cocoa. Like, so I've got to change my vocabulary to, to make it easier for her to understand. So there's all those sorts of weird things you're discovering as you go along. But obviously she's exposed to a lot mm -hmm. more German, which is, yeah, it's just going to be the Once challenge. Once I all the was way through, making I lunch for the two boys and I asked, okay, so can you eat pasta? Would you eat pasta today? And they were both very enthusiastic about it. I made the food and the five-year-old just, he just started weeping. He didn't want to eat it. I said, but I asked you before I made it. And then his brother goes, yeah, he only knows that as noodle because that's what you say in German. I was like, right, oh, yeah. and you know, mm. yeah, bilingual play with children <laughs> yeah, is yeah, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big one. Well, I, I mean, we haven't got to noodle yet. I think at the moment they're just called nudies, and we're just like, well, that's that's what the word is. So we'll just take it. Is that a nudies? No, right, fair enough. I guess I'll work that out. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the time in the future where my nephews will suddenly be very interested in the fact that I'm a native English speaker, and they'll see the Homework. opportunity for me to help yeah. with their lessons because at the moment they're both very <laughs> anti-english <laughs> their father speaks pretty good english and we're now at the point where we'll chop and change depending on what we're talking about but the boys occasionally will be like why are you speaking english obviously they say that in german <laughs> um and then they has to be explained that yeah simon isn't german simon speaks english and then they're all kind of gobsmacked by the fact that there is another language and that i'm other uh, in terms of the family, because everyone else in their network, uh, their familiar network at least, sure. is, is yeah German, Nordrhein-Westfalen, Munsterland, and yeah, I'm the guy with the big beard <laughs> and the weird accent. I don't think it was naturally ever understood. Oh, that means he's English. But I think as a kid, it just bec it becomes normal, doesn't it? Because I remember there was people through my dad's church that were met who were like Germans my whole idea of Germany up until about my early 20s when I first came here again uh when I first came here sorry was Germany was the place where at Christmas that they had those mm -hmm. uh Vinax pyramid and like mm. loads of cookies and that was my conception of Germany for like a very long time because that's my connection so you end up with those weird like connections for, that you learn as a kid so it could be that you're Simon the, the guy who makes makes the pastor or you could be like simon who helped this a smart gymnasium english exam that's what i want to be one day you're a fucking hero i'll do family right i won't be that expensive it'll be fine <laughs> but it's interesting i mean yeah the the first germans that i remember sort of being connected to lived in a town called valandar mm -hmm. which is the, the twin town mm -hmm. of the village i grew up in and they were called Margot and Jörg, and they were very, very nice, but he was a judge, and he was a very... If you imagine the German <laughs> judge, that was him. Definitely got the feeling that, okay, Germans, they do things a little bit differently here. And yeah, slowly but surely, being integrated into a family from the Ruhrgebiet, I realised no, that was just one little flavour of German. There are many, many varieties when it comes to excess, friendliness, overtness, all these really, really interesting things that I think a lot of people who haven't spent time in Germany or don't know many Germans will think okay they aren't tons of fun necessarily but they absolutely are uh, and I think it's wonderful to have tasted all those different flavors of Germanness along the way. So speaking of differences in Germany that you, you might see, something I've noticed over the, yeah, I guess the last 18 months since having a, a small child is that as my child gets older and her hair gets redder and redder, that there appears to be a very different approach to redheaded children in Germany than there was in the, the Britain of my youth, where being a ginger child in Britain was basically... It was like the scarlet letter, wasn't it? <laughs> you were sort of, you were, you were tarred, you were tarred and feathered verbally on, <laughs> on a regular basis. It was a very easy to go, go to insult. And I, I remember distinctly being at school and being, I was a fairly overweight kid and I had very bright ginger uh, hair. 
and a kid being literally confused about which of the two things he was going to make fun of. <laughs> so I remember that. Uh, yeah, I remember that as a moment that happened. So That's so brutal. Pretty brutal, but you know, yeah, we live through these things, I guess. <laughs> Talking about it helps. So yeah, the, the, in in Germany there isn't there isn't really a, the similar take on ginger kids. We've been going. I've been going through like the supermarket. And people will be just overjoyed to see a child with the, with red hair. People will stop us in the street. Uh, we've heard people comment as as we walk past, like "This is like Schöner's Rotes Haar" or something like that. It's like totally like people love it. Aww. Yeah, I was wondering if you'd noticed something something similar, like the red-headed children are, are sort of accepted in a way. Perhaps they are, they aren't in English-speaking countries. I. I'm not entirely very familiar with reactions to red hair or ginger hair. I know that Prince Harry is ginger even a word that I can yeah, say? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, is yeah, it it's okay? like no, it's like yeah? what okay. it is. I mean, I might tell people that my hair colours African sunset, but yeah. <laughs> African sunset. All right. <laughs> Moving on from that. <laughs> Um, well, I uh, in my reactions I've seen to ginger-haired people, I know there's Prince Harry and that he gets a lot of slack for being ginger. He's referred to in the media that way and people talk about him that way. Maybe also because there aren't many other ginger people in the I, I really, mm-hmm. or maybe this is, part, this is a part you probably shouldn't have on the recording. Um, okay, to answer the question, um, what do I know about ginger people? I do no. I once went on a date with a guy who who had ginger hair, yeah. and he kept asking for a picture of a ginger cat. There was a running joke, and it was about cats, and he made it about ginger cats, and. This term came up quite a few times. At one point, being quite PC, I asked him whether it's not actually like impolite to say ginger all the time. And he said, oh, that's a good question. I didn't like it when I was made fun of in school, but now I'm okay with it. So that's my uninteresting take on being ginger. But what has your experience been? Well, in in Germany like non-existent i'm six foot four people generally don't make fun of me <laughs> they don't see your hair they're not <laughs> tall enough they're just like uh doesn't look like the guy you make fun of okay that's fine well i mean nick also uses quite a hefty amount of hair product yeah yeah it makes it darker. makes it like a, 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 a tinge darkness so yeah i like yeah. the hair product i'm a dapper dan man uh, so simon what about you have you noticed this this sort of difference or different take when it comes to ginger people in germany I mean, to be honest, no. It's it's such a rarity here, um, a sort of percentage of the population. So I guess it's just not as prevalent as, as it is in the UK, where obviously there's a large percentage of people with, with Celtic roots that have this uh, ginger hair. But I've definitely experienced hair discrimination here, which is maybe not the most expected thing because as i've already mentioned i'm losing my hair i said to my wife at a very early stage of hair loss like when it's visible when you notice it tell me and i'll just shave my head and that will just be it i'm not going to fight it i'm not going to invest in therapies and and spend money on like potions i'm just going to live with it and then in the space of the first four years of, of shaving my head I was publicly accused of being a Nazi in the streets of Nuremberg uh, on public transport, out in the open, doing my Christmas shopping and the like. And obviously, as as a British person, when a group of teenagers start hurling such a uh, sort of volatile and sensitive term at you, it's it's pretty hard uh, Mm -hmm. to take it on the chin and just be like, oh, kids, pesky little things. And of course, it's, it's, it's quite fun to be like, I'm English, you fuckwits. Um, and seeing that reaction when they realise, okay, he's he's not. But I've had conversations with, with students of mine along the way, and I remember very clearly one of them said to me, if I was walking down the street and I saw you and I was with my children, I'd cross to the other side. I was just like, because I shaved my head. And he's like, well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a signifier. And that just broke my heart that... Aww to lose your hair in Germany, you either have to like walk around with a perpetual smile on your face, looking as friendly as possible, or you have to not shave your head. You have to let the baldness 
transition sure. at its natural pace. Uh, and then nobody's going to be like, oh, skinhead or, or Nazi. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, it's a bit of a diversion from talking about ginger children. But ha- hair discrimination, I, I have experienced. Wow. It hasn't happened for a long time. Uh, thank God, because, yes, yeah, it's, it's a really unpleasant uh, place to go to. Um, because hair loss is a, is a real thing. And no, okay. I tell you, but it is that. It's the fucking... <laughs> It's the, the far right, isn't it? It's like, that's the image because a lot of, like there was a thing on Twitter that was some kind of far right event in ah, some far flung city in Germany. Anyway, and they all had that look. They were all like skinheads or they were wearing, they were wearing those sort of Wehrmacht or Panzer Grenadier hats or they were like, they were skinheads and that was, or they had the sort of Prussian officer's haircut that shaved at the sides and like long on the top. Mm. Yeah, it's totally, it's totally shit. Because obviously, you, you you're so far removed from that, from that as well. Like you're so far removed from it, it's insane. I was just thinking that, like, uh, with you, Nick, and Simon talking about hair, I also realized that uh, it's one of the things that people comment on. It's the lack of it. It's the color of it. It's the texture of it, and it's so, it's such a outstanding part of a person because it's there. It's in front of their face, and my hair gets touched. All the time without really? people asking ask, me. Yeah. And, yeah. and it happens in Sri Lanka. It has happened in Germany. Like I go to the dentist and the assistant would like touch it like this and go, oh, is this real? And like, is this real? Uh, is that a real yeah, question? They ask, they ask me if, if it's real. real. They ask me if my hair is real. Even if it is not, it's not their it's yeah. not their problem. I, and I wouldn't ask another person if their hair was real or or like touch it. But apparently people do that. How many of the people that touch your hair ask permission first? There have been two people recently on a trip to France. They, they were family friends of my partner and they both touched my hair. But they, they, they say, can I do it? And they reach for it at the same time. And, and then yeah. like... Okay, that's not really asking. <laughs> that's not really asking. <laughs> and then, like, you're also in a very uncomfortable position. Like, you know, it's a it's a family friend thing, and you're like, um, no, I'd rather you don't. And then, you know, they're going to be there's going to be like awkward glances around the table. It's it's uncomfortable. People, I don't know what kind, what what is it though? It's like people avail themselves of your hair very freely. Mm-hmm. It's um. I hope I don't do that. I I don't think I've done that. It does seem to be more of an issue here in mm-hmm. Germany. A friend of mine who who now lives in the U.S. in Portland, who moved over not long after us, uh, her father's from Ghana mm. and her mother is German. She lived in Berlin for a long time, and it was it was a weekly thing for her to people just to grab her hair. Since she's lived in America, guess how many times it's happened? Zero. Zero. Nobody would, but nobody would dream of just grabbing someone's hair or touching it even gently. I mean, I had a Mohican for three years of university and it was totally normal for if I was out in a bar or a club. Normally a girl would like run her hand along it to, yeah, to test the mohawk, I guess. And I Mm. was kind of okay with that because you have a Mohican to stand out and to be... (laughs) Touched by girls. I I wasn't doing it for the girls, but I was definitely doing it to to hide behind. (laughs) A mohawk is the only icebreaker you need. Mm, especially true. at university times <laughs> true so yeah it blows my mind that it's still that it's a thing the germans it's not just germans well, but it's yeah. it's the exoticism angle isn't it it's the same it's the same with shaved heads i know plenty of people who have bick, like bicked the the head and had a razor run over it and then people would be like oh can i touch mm. your head i mean it does it feels wild like i cut mine as short as my machine will go, mm. and i still feel hair but i had it properly shaved for the first time ever last month and i spent 24 hours just be like oh, oh, what, what? that feels so weird it was, it was definitely an unusual <laughs> sensation uh, I would recommend it to anyone that's dabbling in hair loss just do that once it's a, it's a cool feeling but doing it to someone else's hair is definitely weird I know I've never in my life have I ever asked someone like since since the age of maybe eight I haven't asked anyone to touch that touch that like hair at any point or the head like I know Good on your I know neck. like you it, keep it should, that up. I know it shouldn't be like a celebrated thing it's a pretty normal concept is like <laughs> why the fuck would you want to touch someone's hair like, and it's a story that I've heard more than once there was a really good article in the Guardian a few years ago from a journalist who was in Berlin and she said the same thing is that like everywhere she went people were just trying to touch her hair or just wanted to touch her hair and I remember watching seeing a guy in the U-Bahn pissed guy get like the shit slapped out of him by a woman because he he leant over and touched the hair and like 
She knocked the, oh. knocked the taste out of his mouth, quite literally. It totally deservedly <laughs> as well. Like, what the fuck are you doing on a train in the, at night touching people's hair? It's totally fucking weird. Don't do that. People don't do that. Don't touch people's hair. Don't don't ask to touch people's don't hair. T- and don't and don't ask. It's really, that's weird. It is very weird. <laughs> Simon, once someone did ask if they could touch mm-hmm. my hair, but it, I was in Ghana uh, for in a university work context, and it was a, a partner student at the university in Ghana who asked if he could touch my hair, but it didn't feel very nice even asking for permission mm. because the very fact that he wanted to touch it was not very comfortable to me. Yeah. So he didn't make it better. And I said, no. I said, but I haven't seen hair like that. That's not a good reason. Is that, is that another, another like personal intrusion I'm going to have to warn my daughter about? It's like, oh, it's all <laughs> yes. these personal intrusions yes. that will probably yes. happen to you. But Absolutely. also people are probably going to want to touch your hair. Yeah. And, and either either you carry this bottle of sanitizer around <laughs> with you. and your body, oh, your rules. No, yeah. Oh, that's horrendous. Mm. I guess that's the next stage. I, I don't. I don't like it when people want to. I mean, obviously, there's been a pandemic, and I wouldn't like it if there were people were too close to my child anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think the idea of because that's happened more than once where someone's wanted to pick her up or I don't. I don't like that. I really don't like that. But maybe that's a parental prerogative. But is it strangers? Yeah, it's a stranger trying to touch my kid's hair. Yeah, that shit ain't happening. <laughs> that shit just ain't happening. <laughs> don't care if you ask. Be like, nope, fuck off. <laughs> I've heard quite a few stories similar to this. Yeah. Uh-huh. A friend of mine, yeah. a student I had, he was uh, he was building his own house mm-hmm. in, on the edge of Franconia. And he went to like a an Orby a hardware store, bought some stuff and had his daughter with him. And a hand worker, like a, a manual laborer, like dirty hands, came up and just like put his finger in the daughter's mouth. Like without any, any discussion, just like plop. Oh, and this guy is just standing there watching his daughter process this. And yeah, uh, no. a fight occurred. And yeah, he, he hit the guy. I'm not surprised. <laughs> As it should. Yeah. yeah, wow. Like, yeah, jeez. I mean, that's balls, no? Yeah. Walking up. Oh, that's a cute baby. Like sticking your finger that's in a child's disgusting. mouth. Like, that's, I'm sure that's illegal. No. Uh, yeah, a crime yeah. is being committed at that point. It's totally, it's totally just not on. I just don't so I think like we can just say yeah. in general, don't touch people. Like, just leave don't, people yeah, alone. Don't touch, don't touch people. <laughs> Be be very be very aware of consent <laughs> like, in all instances, whether very in every single God, instance. Yeah. Ask, and if they say no, just fuck off and just just don't do that. Oh, I just don't. I, I, it, it seems bizarre. Just I mean, I know I've lived a very isolated life for the last two years, as it has everybody. I hope that's something we can all learn when we go back out there. Don't don't touch people. <laughs> Don't touch people's hair. Out of, of all the friends I have, Nick is the one who is most likely to hit someone for touching his hair. Nick is very sensitive. I, well, I don't like people touching my head, and I guess that's that's maybe a on the spectrum issue. But like, I really don't like people touching. I, I have trouble going to the barbers because I don't like strangers touching my head. I don't like strangers touching me. Full stop. Like that's that's definitely like Ooh. if I don't know you, if I haven't hugged you, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> like that's that's the moment. Like that's the moment. There's a badge in there. That's as much. Yeah, if I haven't hugged you, don't fucking touch me. That's my motto. I'm gonna put that on my on my office door. <laughs> That'll freak your students out. <laughs> like, he wants to hug us. <laughs> oh no. Uh, and Nick's got another report against his name for his hugging antics. <laughs> So we've talked a few times about getting each other's space and we've mentioned it in previous episodes as well. And one of the other things that does take place in in Germany that seems to take place more often here than elsewhere, and both of you actually tweeted about experiences this week, uh, about people publicly freaking out and admonishing strangers. So I I will start with Dilly on this one because I think your story on Twitter really captivated me. I think a lot of our listeners can can learn something from this (laughs) along the way. Tell us what happened when you went shopping. So I was at TK Maxx here in Gießen and we were standing in a queue as were about 25 other people. And there were about 10 people before me. And there were two men before, right before me. They were kind of moving about a bit, you know, at TK Maxx when you're at the checkout. 
it means that you can also wander around and look at the sweets and the socks again in case you want to be the one. <laughs> yeah, it's so. like that serpentine thing that goes around. <laughs> uh-huh, right? uh-huh. Yeah. And they have this little marketing thing going. So people like, you know, look at the sweets and look at the biscuits and the socks. <laughs> I'm very specific about the socks. But yeah. <laughs> and, and so I kept, the, you know, I, I wasn't giving them an evil eye. You know, it's just there were 10 people before us also. And um, so I kept some space so that they had some room to move about. And, um, you know, it's also a pandemic. I don't really want to stand close to them anyway. And then there was an old man and a woman, apparently, who was his, maybe his wife, just standing behind me. And he, um, he walks past me. And then I'm like, um, I'm, 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 I'm standing here. And he goes, oh, you're standing here. And then he takes a step back, but then, like, you know, charges past me anyway. And he goes, you know, I'm going to stand here. What is this? What are you doing here? I'm like, eh, was machen Sie denn? And, um, and then I go in front of him instinctively like, and he, he screams at me. It wouldn't have made any difference to him if I had been like a meter closer to the people in front of me or not, because we all get our turn anyway. And he yells at me and I'm like, um, so sprechen Sie nicht mit mir. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife is silent. I know that's his wife or his partner because they go to the same counter at the same time. And mm-hmm. um, and then he's muttering under his breath the whole time. So I turn around and I, you know, give him a good look, like as one would. Um, Stink and goes, eye. <laughs> Classic. I don't know. It's just that it wasn't that I was keeping anyone up. I wasn't on the phone. It's just that I was giving some space to the people in front of me. And during a I, pandemic, crazy. During a pandemic, who would have thought? I have a feeling that when people see a brown woman standing in a queue, that she must be doing something wrong. She can't possibly be from a country where people stand in line behind another. So uh, mm-hmm. I've also had it at Tegut sometimes, uh, where the supermarket, um, people just jump in front of me. And there was one time when I said, you know, I didn't move from South Asia to Germany to teach you people to stand in a queue. Go join the that's end of the line. Gold, that. That's that's some fucking gold, that is. Oh, that's that's how you deal with that shit. And they slink off. Yeah. But I think that's totally it, though. Like, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that the, the sea and opportunity mm-hmm. and the, the dive in. There's a little bit of racism in there and there's a little bit of misogyny as well racism there's a yeah, i think it's, yeah, it's a, yeah. the cocktail that yeah. you never want to fucking have i think that's that's it but, but then it's something that, that i've never experienced and i'd assume simon hasn't really experienced it at the same level at all well that was gonna be my next question guess how many times i've been shouted at in public yeah. in the last 10 years it's never happened <gasps> yeah never happens I've, I've had i've had two instances one instance was when I had scraped the ice off my car and left the, the scraper on my roof and we're in traffic and a guy jumped out of his car. I wound down my window and he mm. threw it in the car, but it was quite aggressive and it landed like on my leg, right? But ultimately he was doing mm-hmm. it at speed at the traffic lights, so I'll accept it, right? So that's one, he was actually helping us because I, mm. I didn't want to drive off with one of them on the motorway, right? The other time was when I was at the checkout and uh, something fell mm. off the checkout and an old guy complained. And then he wanted to complain about using a <laughs> credit card to pay. But that, those are some two incidences that are really occurred. I, I hear it from everyone. I hear it especially from women. But I never, like, it never occurs or happens to me in the same way at all. And this man's wife was silent next to him. I, I was very surprised because at first I couldn't say whether she was with him because she wasn't reacting. Like, I mean, if that was my mm-hmm. husband... Uh, elderly husband i would have laid an arm on him or something you know like calmed him down a bit if you're a man who's willing to shout at a stranger in public i'm pretty sure you're capable of shouting at your wife you in are private. shouting yeah. at your wife yeah i had the yeah, feeling he's probably yeah. a massive arsehole at yeah. home too but like how old i mean when you say elderly are you saying like he's over 80? i would say 75 and above because there is there is that respect for your elders aspect that's still it's such a weird cultural rule that you see in Germany because you have respect for your, <laughs> you like you have respect for your elders in most countries, right? In some countries, it's more intense than others, but like in Germany, there's there's still the case that you'll live with your grandparents or live in the same house yeah. as you, and there's still that sort of elder care that that comes in with certain families, 
And but I also think there's a point where Germans get to a certain age and they're just like, fuck it, I'm gonna say and do exactly what I want. <laughs> and and it seems to be a lot with the kind of instance you've mentioned there. I've I've heard like my wife's had that experience where like an older bloke's admonished her for some stupid thing that has no meaning. And it's there is a there's a weird misogyny. Well, it's not a weird misogyny. It's a misogynistic mm-hmm. thing that's happening there. But it's it's hard to define exa- exactly which bit of misogyny it's 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 tweaking, right? But <laughs> it doesn't occur when I'm out with my my daughter. It doesn't really happen. Most people are quite cheery. Most people will. I had something with was it with the baby in the socks? Mm-hmm. There was something that happened with that as well. I've had that. I think that's was it was me and my wife at this time. I can't remember. I think it was me on my own. But like in that instance, I'm just like a shrug and just walk off because I don't really care. I don't really have anything to say to them because it's just ultimately it's like what whatever. I think it's it is that desire to. I'm imparting wisdom because I'm quite a lonely person who doesn't get to impart wisdom to people. Because actually, when I impart <laughs> wisdom, I sound like a total asshole. That could be potentially what the problem is. <laughs> they're just they're just they're just so full of wisdom that they don't know how to distribute it in in decent portions. <laughs> he should have a blog. <laughs> yeah, they should get a blog. Oh, he'll be very successful. Yeah. <laughs> Things I think you should be doing better. Yeah. That'll, that'll, that'll hit the highs, I'm sure. But Get a Twitter yeah. account. Get a Twitter account. I... I I I don't I didn't even want to listen too closely to the muttering because I was so afraid that he was saying that I was brown and didn't know how to stand in a queue and I was slender. Mm. I I I didn't really want to know what he was saying, so I kind of tuned it out. Um, I didn't want to get into it, but you are right about the um, respecting older people thing because when I said this to my mm. parents in Sri Lanka, my mother was quite shocked. And she said, you know, oh, you can't shout at uh, old people like that. But the point is... Really? She was on the old person's <laughs> that's side? A, that's a weird type. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is a very weird type. Let him continue, Dilly. How dare you interrupt him? Yeah. <laughs> he was just venting. And uh, actually, like, inside my head, I wanted to say, is anyone missing, like, a three-year-old? I think I found him. <laughs> You know, like because yeah. he was having a Jeez. complete meltdown in the middle. Yeah, so yeah, quite. It doesn't matter. I mean, the age doesn't matter if someone behaves like that. I, I, I don't know. Oh, no one should yeah. behave that way. No, no one should be certainly pushing in front of people. But I think, I think age certainly is a factor in in how much people will try and take advantage of a situation. As well, yeah. I've seen that a lot, but like most of the time if there's if there's someone who's older than me, instinctively, like if we go to the casa mm-hmm. instinctively at the same time, I'd let them go first anyway. Ah. But that's that's pure British British instilled politeness. Hold doors open yeah. and all of those sorts of very very old schooly things that were instilled in us as a mm-hmm. kid. I don't know, I wouldn't put up with I wouldn't put up with that shit again. I just wouldn't put up with that shit. It was really interesting that when you put it on Twitter, there was nobody there that was like, Oh my god, I, I really can't believe that everyone was like, Oh yeah, that happened to me and this is what I did. This is these are the yeah. phrases that I've learnt to handle these kinds Absolutely. of people. It was it was an interesting linguistic experience, but like, oh, that's what I can use to say fuck off uh, in a nice, polite German way. Because I think my instinct would just be mm-hmm. to like laugh heartily in their face. That's interesting. Like, <laughs> you dick. Um, and just let them fester in the fact that I'm not going to engage. But yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to get the opportunity uh, to do this. But we won't. That's the thing. We won't because of uh, the fact that we're like large blokes, large white blokes mm. specifically. Like that shit just doesn't, just won't occur because it, it is something that's a vein through Germany well, through all countries. <laughs> like, that's why we why we're singling out Germany. <laughs> but how it manifests in Germany is certainly it's certainly in things like this, these weird sort of passive aggressive mm. situations where the, the the treatment measured out to an individual is very much based on their ability to speak German, colour of the skin, and that treatment is really sort of noticeable. I think in shops especially. But mm. there was an incident as someone had posted, someone would follow on, uh, James Jackson would follow on on Twitter. He was saying, mm. what what level of German does it have to be? Mm-hmm. What level of German do I have to achieve? Because he's like C2, which is far and above my level of German. And he said that he was being told by someone his German wasn't good enough because he didn't know. Was it Hauswirt? Hauswirt. Hauswirt, that was it. And I was like, what's Hauswirt? And it's Vermeter. So like I wouldn't have known that at any at any rate, and it was just like some mm-hmm. guy had shouted at him because he didn't know this word, oh. and I was just like, well, 
like that's it isn't it it's, it is yeah it, it is very much who you are in those situations because my german is is beastly at times and people just look at me blankly <laughs> you know they don't go your german's terrible oh mm. i hate you. they just never say anything like that they just go mm-hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you could see in the face that like, oh yeah <laughs> i screwed that up and I, and I know when I'm doing well, I went to the post office to sort something out and I did very well because I never got that weird look that people get where the, the look of like, what's that accent? Mm. And how the hell did he say that sentence? That's the look that I've sort of labeled it uh, in my mind when I see, when I see it. But that, that didn't happen. And I was like, oh, well, that was a good interaction because I didn't have that weird look that I usually get when I say something in German, especially with a mask on. It doesn't help. So, but I never get, that's all I'll get is a weird look. I'd never get someone telling me, my German was bad or or whatever. So all I can say is you should all just become white heterosexual men in their forties. And that's <laughs> you'll never have any problems. <laughs> if you just do just do that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's the only way only way to solve that problem. I, I actually recently had an incident where I had a lawyer for um I, I had been in a bike accident and mm. someone had uh, someone in a car had hit me. Jesus. And I needed uh, to get uh, the money back for my medical treatment and to repair the bike. And there was a lawyer. And he was being quite iffy about it, taking a long Mm. time and then asking for the same thing over and over. And then I called him one day. Um, He had also transferred some money to me, but not the entire amount. So it was quite fishy. So I asked him. And my partner was there in the room. So um, there is a witness to say that he yelled at me. And he said, uh, he asked me for an Anschaffungsbeleg that I hadn't given him. And and I stumbled at the word because I didn't know what it meant. But the fact of the matter is that I told I had told him the bike had been a gift. Mm. I don't have proof of purchase, mm. but not necessarily because I stole it. It had been a gift. And and he's like, so he, he, he hears this pause where I don't know what he's talking about. And he goes, see, exactly. And, you know, you, I keep asking and asking you for this and you never give it the Anschaffungsbeleg. And he took advantage of the fact that I didn't know what the word meant. He yelled at me and, and I was crying. It was at that level of yelling. Oh. And, um, and then he also like quit his position as my lawyer over the phone and he said you go your way and i will go my way it was a it was extremely and unnecessarily dramatic the phone conversation i but i also wonder i mean um i mean my german isn't as good as my english but the moment that someone notices a mistake or the fact that i haven't understood Mm. something it's like you've completely i i've lost the argument then Mm. it's um I doubt if it would happen to, well, obviously it might not happen to a German person, but yeah, yeah. Stumbling over German words has a distinct disadvantage sometimes. I'm sort of head first when it comes to humiliating myself in a foreign language. So at that point, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really have something because I'm, I'm sort of accepting of the fact that I'm going to balls it up. And so I've made my peace with it. So if I screw it up, I wouldn't react in the same in the same way but i think it's, it's horrendous first and foremost that you would be in a situation mm. in a professional capacity where someone would speak and treat you and make you feel the way that lawyer did and but that's again it's very typical of experiences of certainly doctors and lawyers and beamters in certain mm. capacities when it comes to yeah how how men and women are treated or even uh, people of color are treated. But mm. my, again, my experience with Beamters, most of it when I was getting my citizenship was relatively straightforward. Mm. Never got any shit. And then you'd hear yeah. stuff from other people, very different experiences because it was all over the country. It was different how you approached it after after Brexit. Yeah, it was very interesting seeing how little differences had such a large impact. You could you couldn't even pinpoint exactly what it was. Maybe you just got someone on a bad day. Not that that's an excuse. It makes me feel a little bit homesick for just like passive aggression, which is something that these people don't do very well. <laughs> like if you caught someone on a bad day at work in the it's UK, not really passive, they would just yeah. be passive aggressive. Everyone leaves that situation feeling weird. But it's subtly passive aggressive as opposed to like directly <laughs> passive aggressive, isn't it? Like there's a subtle passive aggression. That's really aggressive. It's yeah. certainly more aggressive than you'd find in the UK. Like the idea that Definitely. a doctor yeah. or a lawyer would like raise their voice in the UK, like I, I, I don't think I could even make 
a lawyer <laughs> scream at me unless I was totally dickish to them. But yeah, I'm, I'm confident I could get a German one to do it very quickly. <laughs> Bigger buttons to push. If, if you're talking about people who have no reason to treat you well and so don't, then when you're a student getting accommodation through a private letting agency and you're dealing with like a private rental agency, those people will treat you the worst. Really? The, anyone, anyone, yeah, because you, you're meaningless to them, right? You're just a, a, a an amount of money that they're trying to make sure isn't collected late or whatever. They don't really care as long as you're not going to turn the house into a shithole and you're going to pay monthly yeah. so if you've all got student loans everyone's they love you right but they don't love you that much but they love you because they like the money and so even they don't treat you as bad as, as some of the stuff that i've heard in like from people in in germany like they, they treat you with a like disinterest that would be the worst you'd get it's awful. disinterest or snide comments mm. or pa- just straight passive aggression like oh you would think you would have done that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Are you sure you can afford this? Yeah, that kind of thing. Well, you get passive aggression in Germany, but then you get outward, outward criticism. And I guess, I guess, with your example, Dilly, going back to the beginning, that was outwardly aggressive. <laughs> and he's literally pushing in front of you. That is an aggressive act, and he's shouting at you. So it's not in that instance, it's not passive aggression. But there seems to be a lot more confidence doing that. Whereas it's mm-hmm. something me and Simon have talked about in Britain. If you did that in Britain probably see a fight in tk max you're in tk max and you're pushed in front of someone in britain i reckon nine times out of ten there's some kind of punch thrown i'm i'm not saying well i don't feel like i'm saying anything out of school i think that's true wouldn't you say simon it would definitely be confronted in a far more direct way like if it happened to me in the uk i'd be like what the fuck are you doing like i i wouldn't be like oh excuse me i i was first or i'm i'm in this line i would be i would be confrontational about it for sure and I would also expect to be backed up in that sentiment as well. But I mean, obviously, we've spoken about queuing culture in the UK being, and it is part of the stereotype of British culture that we do it with a lot of dedication. And I'm all for that. It's something we should respect, I think. I don't think I'd punch anyone over trying to jump in queue, but I would definitely, I would try and rab, sort of wrangle the troops, be like, look at him, look at him, look what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting approach. Yeah, using Q yeah. culture for for positive means. Yeah, yeah. Having worked in supermarkets for a long period of my teenage years, I would expect nothing less than some kind of aggressive altercation to occur. Because I remember what happened would happen every Christmas. Christmas was just insanity in a supermarket, mm-hmm. and people would get properly aggressive in like from zero to sixty. They'd go from totally pleasant to the there's no brussels sprouts you fuck <laughs> and you're like whoa okay sorry dude i just stacked the shelves i'm not here to do the order so i know how it can be yeah i know how it can be in britain and and that would be something that i think would be in the back of everyone's minds that isn't here that the reaction you might get is probably placid and mm. quite sort of oh i'm sorry did i did i do something culturally incorrect whereas in britain it would be like as simon said simply just saying what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if you'd said that, Dilly, though. Imagine if you'd said that to the guy. Oh, wait. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I don't know if I can even swear at people in public. That's against the law. I don't here, think right? it would have gone well. No. But, I no. mean, it's either he would have lo- he would have been like, oh, my God, and like freaked out, or it would have gone exactly the opposite direction. Yeah. But, then I would so, be yeah. the aggressor. Yeah, I once yeah, had exactly. this... Um, Way at the beginning when I first came to Germany, and this was around in 2011 or 12, I was at the local Vodafone shop and I ha- I paid my bill and then I wanted something done. And he said, uh, he the salesperson asked me for my password and I said, I don't remember the password. And, and, and he flipped out completely and he said, ah, you want everything done and you don't remember the password. You're supposed to remember your password. And he said, get out. It came to that point. He yelled at me and he said, Whoa. get out. Oh, my God. And, and I left and I came back with a friend and spoke to the manager who said, ah, we are very sorry. You know, he was probably having a bad day. And I spoke to Vodafone, uh, the headquarters, because this is not acceptable behavior. No, it's and, not. Uh, and, and they said that there is no record of me ever being, uh, ever being there at, on that day. And That's they convenient. didn't. 
the, the even the payment that i made was not in the system and i said that can't be and i had to show my bank statement to say yes this uh-huh. payment did happen look at the proof and that's when they believed me and uh, and they allowed me to uh, end my contract then and there because that's what i wanted too right yeah so yeah so when you talk about how things might go down in britain and the things that i have seen mm. here maybe i've tolerated mm. a lot of it far too long well i mean again i think the reactions that we would take simon might take or i might take would be perceived of in a totally different way it like if you'd said <laughs> what the fuck are you doing i think it would be perceived very differently mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing isn't it it's like what's the solution the solution that we'd provide is by yeah in that situation saying being sort of confrontational which isn't necessarily the right way to do it for either of us either but i think instinctively yeah when you see someone breaking the rules it pisses yeah. you off and stand your and ground I think in your instance yeah. it's just like it's people taking people taking fucking liberties mm-hmm. that's the the sense of power you see a lot of that within the the machinations of of the inner workings of government and when you interact with the government, you see how much of it relies on the whim of yeah. of like a single beamter yeah. just not being a prick. And we've had discussions with other people on this on a similar context mm-hmm. where it just rests on the fact that is this guy going to be or is this woman going to be a total bell end, mm-hmm. or are they going to be decent and follow the rules yeah. and not be a dick about mm-hmm. it? Plötzlich war da noch ein Waschbär. This is an article from uh, rnz.de, which follows the story of a clever little vashbear. Uh, a vashbear is, of course, raccoon oh, yeah. uh, in English. This clever little bugger, he's broken in to the zoo in Heidelberg. <laughs> so last time Dilly was on, we spoke about uh, red pandas and mm-hmm. their adorableness. Yeah, yeah, we introduced Dilly to red pandas. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and if you can't afford a colour printer and you want to do a picture of a, a red panda, then you're going to get a vashbear. <laughs> sort of the, the black and white version of it yeah, and they, that's a good shout. they are adorable little shout. buggers of course just word to the wise if you do ever see a raccoon out in the open during the day do not go near it they are nocturnal and uh, being out in the day is a sign of having rabies yeah that's not a good sign uh, and that is a big problem uh, in the species so don't mess with a rush bear don't mess with raccoons they are they are dangerous during the day we'll put it that way mm-hmm. haven't they got opposable thumbs which makes them even more terrifying yeah. got proper little hands <laughs> That's the thing we know about raccoons. They do right? have little hands. Yeah, yeah. That, that freaks me out. They I don't are know pretty why. creepy. Maybe it's just me. I like them. They're cool, but they do. That freaks me out. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> so Heidelberg Zoo now has eight of these. Uh, so they used to have seven, and they have now uh, given this little washbear a name. He is now called Fred. Fred the washbear, and he broke in to the enclosure, having identified a, a loophole in life. And so now Fred is now enjoying full board, uh, <laughs> being fed multiple times a day. He's got a place to stay, and he's now got a family. He's now got seven little washbear buddies, which is just adorable. And also visitors to Heidelberg are getting an extra animal for free. So what a bonus! He just suddenly appeared, and the zookeepers. <laughs> like counted one two three four there's eight okay and he's going nowhere this is sort of the good news for fred not because he's integrated himself well into his community or he's a charmer that has made his his keeper fall in love with him fred being a vashbear is part of a species that's not allowed to be reintroduced into german nature so yeah fred's there he's now a prisoner of luxury i guess do you want to hear some interest interesting raccoon facts oh yes, yes. So, always. So, always so this is some german raccoon facts for you right so there was two recorded attempts to introduce the raccoon into german wilderness or the german wild right because apparently that was the idea was that why don't we introduce raccoons the first <laughs> instance was when the, they intentionally released two raccoons into i think it was the north of germany and they introduced these two raccoons and they didn't really know if whether they managed to spread that much but the, the numbers get really interesting i think it's in 1945 there's uh, just towards the end of the war in eastern germany there was bombing in in a fur farm or a fur farm was damaged in eastern germany which allowed 25 raccoons to escape and so these 25 raccoons and this is the east of berlin so there's two sets of raccoons descended from these groups and they can tell the difference because of the ones i think in brandenburg don't have some kind of mite or something in their stomach that these other two that were released, I think, pre, I think it was in 1934, 
the first attempt it was a forester uh, released them for some farmer and so those are the ones that have this mite so they can tell it's the difference as they travel around because at this point there's something like a million raccoons in germany but mostly in the north less so in the south because i haven't seen a raccoon anywhere in, in in bavaria i've seen lots of other different wildlife but i've never seen a raccoon there's your there's your raccoon facts enjoy it's, it's good it's good and yeah th these pelts farm and the, the the sort of farms they used to breed these animals for their fur of course Aww. faded out in the 50s uh, so i think in the 50s there was mm. a whole wave of dodgy farmers who could no longer murder these animals for their fur we're just letting them out into into the wilderness yeah but releasing them out according to the uh, the article and, and the zoo it still isn't clear if the vash bear if the raccoon is is really a danger to the native animals and the plants they're very famous especially in north america for being omnivores they will eat absolutely anything whether it be meat vegetables mm -hmm. waste um, and they're often referred to as the bandits of the city because they do have a habit of turning over bins uh, and breaking into mm. people's houses stealing food trash pandas yeah, they are indeed trash pandas but yeah, now because of EU law, they can't be transported, uh, they can't be kept, they can't be bred, and they can't be released into the wild. So Fred has seen that EU legislation and thought, ah, here's my way Lucked out for a comfortable life in Heidelberg. I, I saw this on the news and I was wondering though, like what kind of loophole is in the zoo security system that a raccoon can creep in i mean what about the germs that he can bring in very valid point i'd, ass uh -huh. I'd assume i'd assume they did some checks like it's germany after all i'm not i'm sure they're not just like oh and you come mate don't worry enjoy ah they're probably like they're probably tested, isolated tested him and did some him. Checks. you you would you would hope so you would hope so but it, it does ask a lot of questions of the security systems that they're like can can anything just get in there? Like what's what's next? They wake up one morning and there's like a deer. You know, how did the deer get in here? What's going on? I mean, it's a very valid point. A really fat looking yeah. fox. There is some bad news on the horizon for Fred, because as as a male uh, in the zoo, he has to be castrated. Ooh. So that's that's the oh, trade off okay. he's made. Uh, he... I was thinking though, like you see the stats of of Gen Z kids who have finished college or something and they have to go live with their parents is this not just the raccoon equivalent there's like a gen z raccoon who's just like i can't take it in the real world what i really need to do is live in this in this uh, enclosure obviously gen z kids aren't having to sacrifice their ability to reproduce in order to live at home so there is that advantage for them but you've got to wonder like it's is it, is it are raccoons getting lazier that's a question we can ask are, is, is that is that what's happening have we lost their motivation? <laughs> Do we need raccoon motivational speakers? Freeloading. <laughs> tax dodging. Do we need like a Tim Robbins of, of raccoons who can... Is it Tim Robbins, the motivational speaker who gets people to walk over hot, hot coals and stuff like that? Mm. We need to get him in and sort of... Mo I think he gets people to give him money. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of weirdness around that dude. You know? There's a whole Jesus <laughs> aspect going on. But uh, maybe that's what they need. They need some like TED Talks. They should be putting them on in, inside the zoo. Just all day getting them motivated <laughs> to go and do something. Instead of just relying on the goodness of the hearts of the zookeepers, I feel it could be more productive. I, I'm i trying to find this on the net, but I heard from someone that at some point there were pet parrots that escaped and they're in some part of Germany there is a wild bunch of parrots or a bunch of wild parrots um, that have adapted to the cold and winter and are quite thriving. What? Yeah, in the southeast of England, at Chessington Zoo, uh, which is one of the big theme parks in the south, uh, some parrots escaped, and they have now become part of the the local wildlife. And in it's probably about a fifty square mile area, you'll see these little green tropical birds dancing through the trees of Surrey. It's quite mind blowing. It's interesting. It's, it's the same. It's the same type of bird. I think it's in Dusseldorf. I just found an article. They're green as well, so maybe it's these particular types of parrots that are easily adaptable. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, they're living near, in or near Dusseldorf. How weird. But yeah, I guess they've adapted, whereas... But this is the case, isn't it? The raccoon hasn't adapted. It's gone back to the zoo. The lazy fuck. <laughs> oh, apparently it is a ring-necked parakeet, is the, the one that's in, the, in Chessington in the south of England. Oh, and interestingly, an escaped parrot has become a, an employee at Waterloo Station uh, in August of this year as well. So It says here that it is the rose-ringed parakeet 
that is in mm-hmm. Dusseldorf. Although Germany certainly has quite a, a number of green parrots. The United Kingdom outnumbers Germany with a whopping total of 31,000. 31,000 green parrots. Who would have thought? It's an invasive species, mm-hmm. but I can't tell how invasive uh, parrots would be in the same way that raccoons are apparently considered. There's an argument mm-hmm. at the moment about raccoons being, are they invasive or are they not? And studies suggest, well, there's two kinds of studies that come out. One that says, yeah, they're impacting the native flora and fauna of, of Germany. And then there's another one that said, oh, actually, their impact are minimal at best. Like with the wolves right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, the wolves yeah. are a native species. They're being reintroduced. Mm-hmm. If anything, they're just rubbing up against human human interaction. But until, of course, you come out of your house and a raccoon's greeting you on its doorstep, which I hope <laughs> doesn't happen. <laughs> I was quite happy that the wolves were coming back. And um, and I said this to a friend who immediately healed my enthusiasm and my soul and spirit and said, do you know what the sheep farmers have to go through? And I took back my words and I whipped myself a hundred times. You either go all in with that yes. argument or you, you cripple straight away. <laughs> I think that's it. Like, there's no way about it. You're like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Or no, wolves are the greatest, you know. So. Hello, Freunder. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome, all lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at DecadesFromHome. You can tweet me at 40%German. You can also get us on 40%German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss!